stepping stone into the Christmas service. Um, I talked about the one name that God gave himself in the Bible last week, Yahweh, right? And, and how uh, that was the one name when he spoke to Moses, he said, I, tell him that I am, I am being translated uh, in the original Hebrew. We have no clue what it says because it was such a holy and reverent word that the Jewish people took the vows out because they were afraid to say the name wrong. Now, you might go, that seems really weird. Like, could God really be offended um, over his name being spelt wrong uh, or said wrong? And just a, a small, like, theological, um, I guess, rabbit trail real quick for you. You know, in, in the Ten Commandments where it says the, the Lord's name will not be taken in vain, a lot of us, like, in our culture, we think of, like, you know, GD and, and stuff like that, right? Um, which is bad. I'm not saying that that isn't bad. But really, uh, the, the core aspect of it was really to use God's name out of context. And so when they knew, when they knew, like, oh, man, one of the commandments is, like, don't screw up his name. Don't screw up um, mispronouncing and misusing his name. So they were very, like, there was a reverence to his name. You know, it's, uh, how many have ever had your name butchered by somebody? Our last name is Bodenhammer. It's butchered by everybody, okay? Uh, when somebody gets it right the first time, I almost want to, like, pull out, like, a gift card and be like, you win. Um, and so, because everybody wants to get German, right? And, you know, it's like, they see Bodenhammer, and they're like, oh, Bodenheimer. I'm like, what, what's wrong with y'all? Like, it, H-A-M-E-R. There's no E-I in there, okay? Just knock it off. Bowden Hammer. Um, and, uh, but that's how the Jewish people were with God. God speaks this name, Yahweh, to, to Moses. And they then, like, they cut out, and they're like, we don't even want to mispronounce it, so we're going to shorten it, and we're going we're gonna to um, use a different version of it so that he knows, but we don't mess it up. Um, I tried to Google because I didn't want to take the time of actually going through uh, different studies and finding out, and I really don't even know. When you Google how many names of God are there in the Bible, there's a whole bunch of different answers. Um, I've seen upwards to almost a 1,000. I've seen a couple hundred. Uh, then you get those websites that are like, top 14 names of God in the Bible. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> How are we ranking these? That's what I want to know. Like, who's ranking the different names of God? Which one's more important? Which one's not? Um, I don't want that job. But there are many different names of God in the Bible. Now, here's the thing. Most of them are given to him. Okay, last week we talked about Yahweh, the one that he spoke. I guess if you wanted a subcontext uh, 1A to that, he, he, Adonai would also be uh, another one um, that, that he kind of gives himself, that he calls uh, himself Lord. But there are many different names. Some of them are proper names. Some of them are char characteristic names. Some are memorial names. But these are names that are given to God because of things that he's done or the character of who he is. Can I say this, that all have meaning and all can help us in, in living a life dedicated to God. It's important to know who God is. Amen? Uh, it's important not just to, to know what, what a pastor says or what the church, uh, you know, um, tries to tell you, but who, you know, and, and this, listen, this is what the question that we kind of ended last week with is, who is God to you? Who is he? And we're, we're going to capsulize that question on Christmas service when we talk about Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. Because he, he asked a very important question in Matthew to his disciples. Who do you say I am? It's not good enough for your pastor to tell you who God is. It's not good enough for you to go to a Bible study or watch a Bible study or watch a YouTube video. Or All of those are great things. But all they can do is give you a lesson, a study into who God is. But until you know who he is to you, you're missing something. To know who he is, to know what he is about, to, to know what he is able to do. It's, 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 it's like dating, you know, if you're married... It's like dating your spouse. When you started dating, hopefully, hopefully, there was this learning curve of who they are. What's your favorite color, right? What, 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 where do you like to, what's your favorite food, 
What's, you know, what, what's your favorite season? Okay. Uh, you know, all these little, th- what kind of movies do you like? What kind of music do you listen to? You like to learn all these things and, 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 and get to know all this stuff. And you collect all of this stuff so that way years down the road, when asked what they should have for Christmas or their birthday, you don't buy them a can opener. Because you just don't know. Listen, unless that can opener can't, you know, opens the can, puts it in the saucepan, and then cooks it for Listen, I will buy, I want that can opener, okay? But if it's just a can opener, you didn't do, you, you missed the assignment, okay? Missed it. Totally, you, you, you failed the assignment, okay? Um, and so it, it's that, but here's the thing. It's so funny because when, when I have, over almost 20 years of ministry, asked people, who is God to you? Either they get really nervous and they don't want to say, like they're like, they're like oh crap, the pastor's asking a question. Oh, here's a test. Okay, I don't want to fail. So then we go into like every Bible study that we know. Well, he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Yeah, you just said that just in Greek. He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, God Almighty. Like you sound like you are this movie intro. If I ask you who God is and you don't first go to the things that he has done in your life that you know, listen, that's what made these names so important was is that, that people in the Bible had an experience with an almighty God and it changed their lives so much that they said, who is God to you? I don't know what he is to anybody else, but I know this, God is and fill in the blank. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, today, and forever. And so the God of the Old Testament is the same God today. We don't just believe in the New Testament. Um, some churches, they believe that, you know, well, the Old Testament's old, and it's, you know, if we threw out everything that was old, we'd have issues. Throwing out traditions and, and wisdom and guidance. And, and so the Old Testament is, even Jesus said, he goes, I didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. I came to perfect it. I came to make it whole, to give it some flesh. What he did then, he can and will do today. And so some of us, listen, I, 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 if you don't want your toes stepped on, just curl them up. I'll try not to hit them too hard. But some of us don't live in the power, the majesty, and the miracle-making moments of God because we either don't ever call out to him or we don't believe in it. Oh, we'll pray to God, but we just pray out loud like, well, I hope my prayers just, you know, don't bounce off the roof and hit me in the face. See, the Old Testament and in the New Testament, man, there was a, there was a power in their prayer because they knew the name to which they were praying to. They knew the power that was attached to that name. That, that when, when that name is called out, that, hey, something's going to happen. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. But I know the name of which I'm calling on. And it will do what it is supposed to. That God's will be done. And, and some of us, man, that's part of our, our prayer problem is that we're not praying God's will. We're trying to tell God our will. Well, God, you're, you're, you're my provider, so this is how you're going to provide for me. And he goes, that wasn't part of the plan. Okay. See how that works out for you. You know, well, God, you're the God of joy, so I don't ever want to have another problem. He goes, yeah, read Paul. He says that your joy is found in suffering. <laughs> have fun with that. We try to tell God how our life is going to look and what our prayers should. Hey, God, this is how you're going to do it. Now, listen, if we were to follow Jesus' rule, it says, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, not what I want. And, and I may not like it, and I may not even understand it, but I know that I'm going to trust and follow your name. And so when I do, I know that you have a way made for me. The song, I know you will. I don't have to see it to believe it. That's what faith is. I found this quote by Stanley... Um, that guy, he's a, he's a theologian from Duke University, um, well, well respected, uh, and he says this, we, like the people of Israel, would like to think that we could get to name God. By naming God, <laughs> this is where it gets your toes hurt, we hope to get the kind of God we need, that is, a God after our own likeness. 
See, the Old Testament, they named, they gave God names based off of what he did. We named God based off of what we would like him to do. Oh, God, you're the God of prosperity. He's like, he, he, nope. <laughs> For some of you, maybe. I believe that God does want some people rich. I also believe that God wants some people poor. <laughs> like, that's not a very good message. Like, God wants you poor. Wait, I'm the head and not the tail. Well, guess what? You're the head that's poor. Yeah, and you may go, well, why? Let me ask you something. If, if every Christian was to be rich, then who reaches the poor? If every Christian was to not live in, in the lower income, the, the, if, if God didn't have a variety of followers, then how could we reach the downcast? Oh, well, yeah, you're rich. I mean, it, no. No, I, listen, I'm not saying that I wouldn't like to be one of the rich ones. I'm not like, that was God's will, cool. But, God, whatever your will is, because you've never failed me. You've always taken care of me. There's always been money to pay my bills. There's always been food on the table. And whether it was a nice steak or whether it was rice and, and, and you know, whatever that comes with it, normally it's Mexican food in our house if there's rice or orange chicken. Okay, like orange chicken and rice or Mexican food and rice, which, by the way, you haven't cooked Mexican rice in a while. Um, anyways, just squirrels playing ping pong. When you study people of the Bible, they were quick to call on the name of God and be specific in what it meant for them. So the next two weeks, I want to take a handful of the names of God. There's no way I could give you an exhaustive study of all the names of God. That's on that's on you. But I want to give you some of the names of God that, his, that he has called in the Bible and then what it really looks like for us. A couple of scriptures that, that I think are important to kind of give us a root to this is, is Psalms 113.2. Blessed be the name of the Lord now and forever. Listen, we can make these cheesy and we can make them simple, but this, these were, these were what, what the psalmist would write when, when they were walking through stuff, when they were walking through, listen, blessed be the name of God because his name makes ways in the, uh, in the dry land. His name provides when I don't see a way. His name gives me joy when I'm downcast. Paul would write, oh my soul, why are you so downcast? Bless the Lord. And so, so there was something about his name, the blessing of his name and the following of his name. Deuteronomy's, Deuteronomy 32.3, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. How glorious is our God. Some of us need to get back to proclaiming his name. So, and, 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 and whether that is crying out, you know, Yahweh or Adonai or maybe one of these other names that we're about to look at, but we need to understand his name and we need to start proclaiming it. I wrote this down, that what we proclaim will be what we produce. Hmm. Some of us have been proclaiming the wrong things in our life. Some of us have focused on, 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 on simple things that at the end of life aren't going to matter. And we go, God, if I just had this, I'd be happy. No, you won't. Because when you get it, listen, I, I've been there. God, if, I, if you just give me this, I'll be happy. And he gives it to you and you're like, okay. So it's like Christmas. We get the gift. We're like, oh, it's my gift. It's my gift. It's my. Listen, there have been gifts I've given my, my son that I think I'm more excited about. And I think, man, oh, he's going to love this. Oh, he's going to love. And he plays with it for like a few days. And he's like really excited when he opens it up. Like, ah! And now it sits in a corner. Right? And we've all been there as parents. We've all been there. Okay? Uh, One of the coolest gifts I ever thought that I gave my son. I don't think he's played with all year. And I love him to death. And I actually reminded him last week because I was kind of sad that I haven't seen it out in a while. I'm like, you haven't played with your BB-8 in a while. He's all, oh, it's because it needs to be charged. I'm like, hi, BB. It's a remote control BB-8. This thing is awesome, okay? You can clip it to your belt and, like, walk around and BB-8, like, literally rolls and follows you. It's the most awesome thing in the world. If he doesn't start playing with it, I'm going to start playing with it. Like, it's going to come to church with me, and I'm just going to start talking to BB-8. Like, like it's, it's that cool. Like, you literally can clip it to your belt and walk around, and it just, you know what I mean? Like, he, my way of thinking is he's also got a hoverboard. Like, dude, get on your hoverboard and let BB-8 race you or something. Like, you know what I mean? 
But but that's how we are with God. Like like we're, it, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, it's gonna be amazing, and He loved it, and then now it's like, hey, there it is. And so many times we treat God that way that we proclaim things and and, and we proclaim things in our life and it's either if it's his purpose, we get tired of it or maybe it's not his purpose, but he gives it to us anyways because he's a good God and then we go, "I'm, I'm not as excited about it anymore. What we proclaim is what we will produce. Who and what are you proclaiming over your life? And why not the names of God? I also wrote this down because this, this last word is very, it's key in my whole life, but it's key to, I believe, this series. When we proclaim his name, we carry his perspective. When we proclaim God's name over our life and over our we carry his perspective. So many times, so many times, we want to see what God sees, but we're not willing to do what God would want us to do. Suffer. Oh, no. How about God? How about we just kind of skip that chapter? And he goes, but how can you see my perspective if you haven't walked through what I need you to walk through? How can can you enjoy the win if you haven't had a couple losses? I shared this a couple weeks ago, and, and me and Stephanie have talked about it. If there's one thing I've learned through this season... After almost 17 years of full-time ministry, I have learned the joy of loving people in ministry again because I told God I will never, (laughs) like I will never take for granted that full-time aspect of ministry ever again. Not because he took it away, because I don't think he took it away, but but he allowed this season. So I want to give you a couple of names of God that I think are important. The first one is, is one that we've already talked about, not Yahweh, but Adonai. Talked about a little bit about last week, but I think it's important to kind of re-go over it and give a little um, flesh to it. Adonai uh, actually is the plural of Adon, A-D-O-N. And uh, Adon is, uh, it means my Lord, right? So Adonai is the plural, it means my Lord. Now there's a really deep study in this about the Trinity, that the fact that, uh, that, that God calls himself Adonai is actually proclaiming the Trinity in every aspect of lordship. It's not just God the Father, it's God the Son, it's God the Holy Spirit. He is actually speaking the Trinity every single time we say, Lord God, Adonai. Psalm 97 verse 1, and then we'll also read verse 9, it says this, the Lord is king, Adonai, my Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice and let the farthest coastlands be glad. Verse 9 says this. For you, O Lord, are supreme over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. In these two scriptures, he's proclaiming that he is over everything. Does God have, that they, when I say everything, what does everything mean? It means everything, right? So, so it's not like, God, you can have control over 99% of my life, and I'm going to just hold on to 1%, and he goes, nope, then I'm not Lord. We've all, hopefully, you've all probably heard this saying, if you've gone to church for more than like three weeks, you've heard it at some point, you know, he's either Lord of all or, or not at all, right? And, and, and that's what Lordship means. It literally means ownership. Nobody owns me. Okay. Yes, somebody owns you. Whether you believe it or not, everybody is owned. Now, that may hurt your pride. I'm sorry. Get over it. Who do you want owning you? Do you want a loving, fair, just, faithful God? Or do you want the enemy who really has no desire for your good, no desire for your benefit, no desire for your growth to own you. Since God is the absolute ruler and owner, our response to this name comes through the surrender of submission. Those are two words that in America we can't stand. Surrender and submission. Submission is a powerful tool when coupled with an all-powerful Adonai. And unfortunately, too many Christians today have settled for Jehovah this, this, this name of God that is untouchable instead of this Adonai who is all-powerful in our life. We want the one that is far away that doesn't touch our life, the, this, this reverent God, but we don't want the Adonai that has control in our life. This is because to experience all that God, that God as ruler, master, and owner over your life can do for you, you have to knowingly, willingly surrender before him. That means he gets to call the shots. 
He gets to have the final say in your decisions. His perspective is the perspective you utilize in making your choices and in how you use your time. What? Why should God get a say in how I live my life? Well, because you want God to have a say in your benefits and your your blessings and your joy, but you don't want him to have a say in how your marriage is ran or how your your coworkers see you or, or your work ethic or your finances or how you raise your kids. You don't want God to have a say in all that, but you want him to have a say in the blessings of life. Well, why can't God just bless me? Well, maybe it's because you're using words that are cursing people. I'm just going to look around. Well, maybe I'll look backwards. Because nobody in this room has probably ever said this, and, and, and forgive me for saying it over the pulpit because, you know, uh, it's church, but, I mean, how many times has somebody s- said either under their breath or, or maybe even out loud to tell somebody to go to hell? What kind of curse is that? And we want God to bless us? Well, we're, we're telling people to go somewhere that is never designed for us? His perspective is the perspective we utilize in making our choices and how we use our time. What if you woke up every day and said, God, give me your perspective. (laughs) I give you command to mess up my life. (laughs) I give you the opportunity to be Lord, which means that I'm willing to give up everything. Too many people want God to do what his word says he can do without giving him the right to own them. We want God to be healer. We want God to be uh, provider. We want God to be the joy giver, but we aren't willing to give him ownership. And God is not going to give you more of his presence, his Yahweh, if you are not willing to confess more of him as Adonai. Have you ever felt stuck in your relationship with God? It's because you're asking for Yahweh, the presence of God, but you're not willing to submit to Adonai, the Lord of your life. You can't have one without the other. The next name that I have for you kind of rolls in with it, and that is, how many have ever heard the word Abba? Not the singer, right? Some of you are going, there's a singer named Abba. <laughs> Go look around. Abba. It, it, you know that that word is only found three times in Scripture. Just three times, all in the New Testament, Greek word Abba, and it's always connected to the word Father. Um, and, and so real quick, let's look at those three scriptures, Mark 14, 36. And he, this is Jesus speaking, says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Never, nevertheless, not what I will, but, you, your, but what you will. I can speak today. Romans 8, 15. This is Paul speaking. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And then Paul speaks again to the Galatians, uh, Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. The best translation of Abba is that they are literally exclaiming something about their dad. It is this. It is not just being a father. They're saying, Daddy. Daddy, Father. Could you imagine what Jesus is, is, is dealing with in the garden when he's knowing that his life is about to be ended? He, he's going to have to suffer the most horrendous death ever. And he looks to God and he goes, Daddy, if there's any other way to do this, let's do it. But whatever your will is, I'll do. I, I know people that start their prayers off. Hey, Daddy. Daddy. Because they want that intimate relationship. They want that intimate uh, feel with God. They don't want just, you know, some people, and I, I've, I've always had a dad in my life. Um, if you haven't, I, I can understand the struggle that when your view of a father is somebody who isn't there or didn't love you or wasn't uh, capable of being present. And so when I say father, you go, oh, yeah, that guy. And that's why the Bible, I think, puts in Abba Fathers, because everybody understands, whether you've had it or not, understands what a daddy is. It's not somebody that, 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 run, that you can run into their lap, that, that is intimately there for their children and care. 
I love what Paul says. You have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Daddy, Father. It is not just the title, but it's the intimate relationship of a dad. It's personal. So many of us have a relationship with Father God, but we haven't allowed Daddy to hit us. To come real into our lives, to, to get into those parts of our life where we're like, oh, I can't let you there. And he's going, why not? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if, if, if you get in there, you, it, it may, I may start to bring up stuff that I've just kind of shoved down, and, and, and I'm not ready for that. So if you could just be my father and not my daddy, and he's going, no, 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 no. I, I want to I introduce you into this amazing, intimate relationship as your dad. Daddy doesn't just come to the rescue. He teaches, he corrects, he loves, he forgives. Abba, Father. The next name is this, Elroy. Not Elroy like the Jetsons, L-R-O-I. The God who sees me. Some of y'all feel like God doesn't see you. God, do you not see what I'm walking through? Do you not see how hard life is? And, and there's only one time in the Bible where this name is spoken, and it's in Genesis 16, 13. Uh, it's from a lady named Hagar. And if you don't know who Hagar is, she got the bad end of a really bad deal. She was uh, Abraham and Sarah. She was Sarah's maidservant. Now, back in that day, if, a, uh, if somebody who, uh, who was married couldn't have kids, a lot of times they would give their maidservant to their husband. <laughs> Just telling you what they did. And the maidservant would produce kids for them. Well, Abraham was promised a kid through Sarah, but they got impatient. How many times have we walked through life and impatiently didn't trust God? And so, uh, you know, our plans got impregnated with somebody else's plans. And so Sarah's maidservant, Hagar, gets uh, pregnant, and she bears a son to Abraham named Ishmael. But that was not God's promised intent, right? That wasn't Isaac. Isaac was to come. And then when, when she had Ishmael, Sarah got upset with her and started to treat her bad, and Hagar ran away with her son. And in walks God. Genesis 16, 13. Therefore, thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me. Hagar was walking through a tough time in a desert place, literally kicked out of the only land and the only thing that she's ever known. Abandoned, misused, mistreated, and then sent away. God comes out of nowhere and speaks to her and says, I've seen you. And I'm telling you, when you walk through the hardest time, don't listen to the voice of the enemy that sits there and says, nobody sees you, nobody loves you, nobody cares for you, you're going to walk through this alone, nobody will get you, and God is saying, no, 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 just like Hagar, I see you. Hold on to me. I've got plans for you. I'm going to walk you through this. We're going to see the other end. We're going to get to the promised land. We're going to get to the point to where you are healed and whole. We're going to walk through this, but it may look like a desert land. It may look death. It may look very bad, but I see you. I'm with you. I am the God who hasn't left you. Hey, will not forsake you. I will walk this out, and my eyes are on you. Will you not ask the God who sees you to open your eyes to his work and to increase your faith even more, and especially when his promises seem impossible to fulfill. Nahum 1.7 says this, the Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust him. I think it's important that we understand the words that are used when we read scripture. The Lord is close to those who trust him. If you don't feel like the Lord is close, maybe it's because you haven't trusted him lately. It's not that he moved. It's that we push him away. It's that we say, well, God, I want to, but. I tried this before, but. You know, I gave my heart to somebody else, but. And we do all of this, or, or we say, well, this isn't what I've been shown. This is how I, I've never been shown how to love you. I've never been shown how to live for you in such a passionate and real way. 
And so I leave you at an arm's distance because it's easier to leave you at an arm's distance and know that if it doesn't work out, I'm okay. But if I fully let you in and 100% let you to mess up my life and I know that you are with me, I may have to work on some things and may have to bring some things that I don't like to the table. God says, I see you. You're not alone. Then we get to another name. One that I think a lot of people in church have probably heard, and, and, and maybe you don't even really know what the word means. Shoot, there's a song that's named after it that probably a lot of you sing on Caleb called Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. Yahweh Yara. How it's written in the Old Testament with wise. The God who provides. Once again, this is also only found in one place. This, this name is only found in one place. We're like, we, we try to make it sound so big and powerful. It's found in one place in the Bible. Genesis again. Genesis likes the name God. Genesis twenty two fourteen, The story of Abraham Isaac on the mountain. And if you don't know that story, Abraham takes his, his son Isaac and uh, they would, you know, they would... They would do sacrifices. They would do offerings to God. And then typically it was a ram or a a bull or a sheep, you know. He tells Isaac, get up. We're going to the mountain to worship God and give him a a sacrifice. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. And Isaac starts to carry the wood. And there's a whole deep teaching that I could teach here about, about you having to carry your own wood for the sacrifice that God wants to pull out in your life. But that's not the story right now, okay? The story is the fact that Abraham and Isaac are going up the mountain, and they are about to sacrifice. And could you imagine the whole time Isaac going, hey, Dad, we're kind of missing something. We're, we're missing the thing that's going to go on the fire. And, and, and could you imagine, you know, we can, we can make this uh, all sorts of story, but the reality is, could you imagine carrying your son, the one that's been promised to you, up the mountain to know that God has asked you to sacrifice him? How twisted are you, God, that you would ask me to sacrifice the one son that you promised me? Could you imagine the prayer that comes out of Abraham the whole time silently walking up that mountain. God, don't let me do this. I'm faithful. I'll do whatever you ask. I'll do whatever you ask. This sucks, God, but I'll do it. I'll do it. Literally to the whole point to where they get up to the mountain and, and Abraham says, okay, let's start the fire. And he gets the fire going and, and, and it's getting down to crunch time. And the Bible says that he literally reaches up and he grabs the knife ready to cut his son on the altar as a sacrifice to God because he is so faithful to God's word. And the angel says, no. Okay. You are beyond faithful. Go get the ram. And in Genesis twenty two fourteen, it says, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yairah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. See, some of us just haven't gone far enough in sacrificial living to see the provider step in. God, why won't you provide in my finances? And he's going, because every single time we get to that place where I'm ready to break through in your finances, you get so scared that you back away and you go back to the way you're living. Just at that point where I feel like I've got you, where, where, where your, your life is balanced and, and you've got a balanced budget and you're understanding tithe, that it's not just something that you kind of, kind of give to the church, but that you fully, listen, I could care less if you tithe. I could care less. God, on the other hand, he's got a bone to pick with people. So this isn't your pastor preaching his emotions. I haven't worked for the church in a year. It doesn't start like, I'm not like, oh God. Because I understand my provider. If not another dollar came into this church, I understand my Jehovah Jireh. I try to be faithful to him. This isn't just about finance. This is about everything. God, why, why are my kids running amok? Well, maybe because right at that edge where, 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 where it's tough and, you, and you're so tired. Listen, I, we get it. We got two. They'll take you to that edge and then beat you with the bat that you brought to the game. And then you'll go to God going, hey, listen, I'll, I'll gladly climb that mountain. <laughs> Make them carry some wood. You know, let's go. 
And God goes, no, 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 no. I just want you to be faithful. Right at that edge of sacrifice, where it's really tough, that's where the provider is. It's not at the beginning. It's not where the easy steps are. He could have, listen, he could have provided a ram at the beginning of the mountain. Hey, look, look, our sacrifice is here. He, he took Abraham all the way up to the mountain. And not only that, not only got there, but then they made the fire. And then he strapped his son down. And then he literally took the knife out. And I couldn't even imagine that conversation on the way home. Dad, would you have really? Like, you think you got trust issues? He saw his dad with the knife up. And yet somehow Isaac walked out of that and didn't have daddy issues. He had trust values. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It didn't skip a generation. Isaac understood. I'm going to live and sacrifice for God because when I sacrificial living, my provider steps in. No, my dad would have never plunged a knife in me because my God will provide. Why do we think that we can do it ourselves? Why do we listen to the lies of the enemy and the lies of this world that says, pull yourself up, do it yourself, make yourself work, make this, that? Our enemy has created a culture that says we don't need God, and God is saying, in order for me to be the provider of your life, you have to be willing to be sacrificial in your living. I couldn't imagine doing life without him. Psalms 121, uh, 1 through 2. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? Look, I look to Instagram. Does my help come there? I look to Facebook. Does my help come there? I look to my boss. Does my help come there? I look to my spouse. Does my help come there? No. Those may be all good things in use properly, but it says my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Philippians 4.19, and this same God who took care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. And these are the scriptures that we start to, whoo, somebody get a hanky out. I don't have one. We don't even have napkins. I can't even fake. Preach, preacher. My God will provide. Some of y'all, Pentecostal preachers, they huh, right in the middle of a sentence. My God will provide huh, all of my riches huh, in glory, Jesus. Huh. Wait a minute. Hold on. If that's the case, why aren't we all rich? Because glorious riches aren't what we think. It's what God thinks. And maybe your glorious riches is a relationship that you've allowed to be abandoned because you have listened to everybody else say, just forget them. Wait a minute, but my Jesus said, forgive them. No, 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 no. That, 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 that old crutch of a religion, is, it's, it's telling you to be used and abused. And God says, no, 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 no. We're like Peter. God, how many times should we forgive them? Seven times. God's like, yeah, that, you haven't even started to scratch the surface. How about 77 times seven? Some of you are going, 144, what's the numbers there? Like, how many times do we forgive people? No, that's, it's a metaphor for we are a forgiving people. We are not a doormat. It does not mean that you allow somebody to come in. Listen, if Rodney was to continually abuse our relationship, I may say, you know what, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to kind of love you from afar because I can't let you to continue to hurt me. But I'm also not going to let you to control my life Because when we don't forgive, it's not the time. He doesn't care. He goes on and lives his life. The prisoner is me. Maybe your glorious riches is just saying, I'm going to forgive the people that have been holding me hostage because I've allowed the hurt. Maybe the glorious riches is saying, God, whatever your will be done, I will do it. He says, hey, you know that person at work that absolutely drives you insane? I want you to serve them. Hey, you know, your finances, yeah, they're kind of a mess. I want you to give. You know how many times where I've been in church and God says, give that person some money? And I'm like, hmm? Are you sure? I mean, like, we, we talking like go buy a Coke money? Or like go to lunch money? He's, most of the time it's in $100 bills. I don't carry cash, so God like has to tell me, hey, pull out some money, and I'm like, like a 20? 
We, we, we talking smaller bills, and he's like, no. And I'm not ashamed to say that I, I, I argue with my provider, but he always wins. Like, my ego will get in the way and be like, God, like, you don't understand. I, I need that money. And he goes, you need me more. I'm going to provide for you. My provider. His glorious riches are the things that will be provided in a way that take care of us. I got two more names for you. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Psalms 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. That sounds like a good loving God. Psalms 103, 2 through 3, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and he heals all my disease. It is a name that not only reveals the power of God to heal, repair, and rejuvenate the areas of our lives that are not working in his perfect timing. Calling upon the name of Jehovah Rapha gives incredible comfort in the knowledge that it is God's intent to make us whole. You were never meant to live a life of brokenness. You may walk through broken seasons. You may need a, a God to allow to be breaking things off of you. But everything that God breaks, he will bring back to whole. He may have to break some things off of us. We may walk through a tough season. We may end up in a bad relationship. We may have, you know, parent issues. We may struggle with, with coworkers or a boss. But I'm telling you, you were never meant to live broken. Jehovah Rapha is your healer. He's not only the healer emotionally, but, and I think this is where we get, you know, a little sidetracked in, in, in miracles, but I believe that he is also the God, the healer of our, of our physical lives. Watch God heal cancer. I've watched God heal the sick. And it may not be in my timing, and it may not be how I want it, because most of the time I want it to be supernatural, like now. A lot of times he uses the medical profession, and I'm thankful for them that God has given people the wisdom and guidance to, to do those kind of things. But I've seen him do the miracles, and I've watched him do the medicine. He is our healer. So why are we willing to live broken? See, not only the God who can heal your body, your emotions, but he can heal your soul from sins. He's the God who heals. So why live broken? Why live strapped to the addiction? Why live strapped to the emotional pain and the hurt? Why live strapped to the things that tell you that you are a broken, no good person when God says, I am your healer? Will you trust me? He heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. But you've got to trust him. You've got to call out to him. Some of you need to pray specific prayers. I need you to be my Jehovah Rapha. And the last one for today. It looks funny. It's pronounced Kana, not QAnon. Okay? Don't get it twisted. Kana. And this one made, it was one that I, I, I kind of like, man, this is kind of weird. Jealous God. You know that he calls him, that like they, Exodus 34, 14. You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, Adonai, whose very name is Jealous, capital J. His, like, if you look at your Bible in Exodus 34, 14, I know they're all capitalized here, so it's hard to tell, but if you actually look in that scripture, the J on Jealous is capitalized. You don't capitalize unless it is a name, okay? So it literally says, the Lord, Adonai, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. He sees the broken world in which we leave, live in and knows that there are forces at work to distract us and lead us away from his love and protection. God is not okay with just a little bit of you. He's jealous. He wants it all. Every aspect of you. He wants to shape and change you into the person he has created you to be. So don't just give him a bit. Don't, don't just give him a little bit. I'm telling you, maybe Maybe now, don't wait for New Year's Eve because those things never work anyways. Let's just be real. 
Instead of making a New Year's resolution, why don't you make a new you revolution? To say, hey, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go all in. It's going to be scary. It's going to be sacrificial. I'm not going to like it. There are going to be things that I have to give up, but everything I give up, I know God is going to fulfill in me new and more powerful things. He is a jealous God that wants all of me, so I am bound and determined to give him all of me. John Bevere, a great pastor and speaker, says this, the spirit of God is a jealous over us. He doesn't want superficial fellowship, but genuine intimacy. Maybe that's our heart and gold. But a jealous God would want real intimacy with you. When we start to understand the power in the names of God, we live in a different perspective. It is not about the life being perfect, but being found in the hands of a perfect God. And it doesn't have to be perfect to know his will and to walk in it. These are just six names of God. But I believe they're a good starting point. Adonai, my Lord, Jehovah Rapha, my, my, my healer, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, my jealous God. Elroy, the God who sees me, and Abba. What if we started to do, let me give you just one maybe simple stepping stone to do this week. Find a name of God to pray. Because this is what they would do. They would pray to that God. Man, what do you, like, you're like, I need a healing, but you're like praying to Jehovah Jireh. Like, now, listen, don't get it twisted. God is not bipolar. He's not schizophrenic. He's not like, well, I don't know which God I am today. He knows exactly what you need. Exact, but do you? Are you willing to seek the God of all, Adonai, and say, God, I need you to be my provider. I need you to show me what it means to sacrificially live. And so, Jehovah Jireh, I need you in my life. God, I've allowed the broken emotions in my life. And, and so, God, I need Jehovah Rapha. Maybe you've just done religion too long and you need Abba Father. Pray the names of God. Live with purpose and meaning of the names of God. Do you believe that he is your provider? Do you believe that he is your healer? Do you believe that God can be daddy or just some far off God that wants to strike you down every single time you've done wrong? Because I used to live in a very legalistic mindset. I did. Oh, God. If, if this, listen, I had one person, the first tattoo I ever got, I had one person go to my, my pastor at the time and go, is he going to get to heaven? <laughs> I sure hope so. My tattoo says I'm not ashamed <laughs> of the gospel. <laughs> I hope I don't get up to heaven. He goes, well, you got a tattoo. But it was about you, Jesus. Are we so religious that we don't see daddy? How could God use this person? Do you not know how they're living? Okay, yeah, but do you know who they were two years ago? Do you have any flipping clue who they were two years ago? Like before you go and judge them, do you realize how far God has brought them? And maybe I get a little emotional because I think of some of you in this room and I go, how dare anybody would ever speak about them because those are my people and I know what God has done in them. And so before you go and you start to tell me what they're not, let me tell you who they are. Because we came to a community and watched people that didn't have a clue really who God was in their life or maybe had a superficial idea and they're starting to really come alive in God. And you know what? I'll take the church of misfits because we're going to do something about that. Because we're going to find out who God is. We may not be perfect, but man, we are going to make, we are going to make some noise for God. So over the next few weeks, as we get closer to Christmas, my prayer is this. God, show us your names. But more than just show us a name, show us the characteristics and the capabilities of that name. We would start to pray those. We'd start to live them out.
And we would start to say, God, give me your perspective. Maybe it's a healing. Maybe it's a providing. Maybe it's just getting a little more intimate with God. What is it, that name of God, that you need to call out on? Let's pray. We've done this the last few weeks, and so if you're here and, and you're part of that team that, that is part of our prayer team, you can make your way to the side. I wonder if maybe today there was something inside that was spoken in you that God's saying, this is what I want you to do. This is, this, man, I, I, I want you to become, I want you to strive. Man, I, I want to be your provider. And you're going, I don't, I don't know how to make that. Maybe your first step is just reaching out to one of these people on the side and saying, hey, can you pray with me? I haven't trusted God, or maybe I, 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 you know, I feel like God is leading me to this, or I feel like God is speaking this, and I just want, I just want assurance, and I just want to pray. Maybe some of you are just walking through it. Like you're having, you're having a heck of a week or a month or a year, and you just need somebody to pray with. Can I tell you that they were willing to listen and pray with you? It's not going to go any further than that. Don't walk away from a moment with God because you're afraid that somebody may know that you're messed up. Can, let me just, you're all messed up. We're all messed up. We all need prayer. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered, that means when you allow somebody in and allow them to speak God's holy words over you and to pray with you, that all of heaven stops and hears those moments. So God, I pray right now that your name would be worshiped. Your name would be praised in our life, not just with our lips, but with our life. God, I believe there's some in here that, that will wrestle with the fact that they have not made you Adonai, Lord of all. There's things that you are asking people to give up. There's things that you're asking for people to do. Sometimes it's not the subtraction, it's the addition. That is our next step. For some of you, God's calling out and saying, I want to be your Jehovah Jireh. I want to provide for you in ways, but you have to trust me and you have to be like Abraham and you have to sacrificially live in a way that knows that I am the one who provides. I'm Abba Father. I'm your daddy. God, I pray that they would find those names and they would start to pray and live those names out. Jesus, have your way in our lives. God, as we go out this week, I pray that we are a blessing to our community. We are a blessing to your name, that we would rep your name well. Your goodness and kindness and your mercy. God, I just go back to that last one. Can I, that you are a jealous God. You want all of us. God, I pray today that we'd make a decision to give you all. 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 If we would want the most and best of you. Jesus, we thank you. We give you glory and honor. I thank you for our tithe that we take every week. God, it goes and blesses uh, this church. It goes to take care of bills, but it also blesses our community. God, we've given literally hundreds away, even just this week, in blessing our community. Thank you for those that partner financially with the kingdom of God to make a difference. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, and we give you glory and honor. In your name we pray. Amen.